Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com, WeatherTech, RockAuto.com, and State Farm. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Thank you, Alec Webb. Welcome, everyone, to MotorWeek podcast number 198, closing in on that big 200. And around our odd-shaped table in Studio C at MotorWeek World Headquarters, we have writer-producer Brian Robinson. Truly an honor to be here should today. should say weird-shaped table or we're weird. Online content coordinator Greg Carlos. That's me. Road test producer Ben Davis, no relation. Thanks for having me. <laughs> or is that just what we want you to think? Not even, we're not even uncles. We're like, not, not even, even uncles. So all you folks writing in with questions, no, Ben is... Uh, Ben is lucky he does not have to claim me as part of his clan. And our video producer and editor, Joe Ligo. Good to be back. And welcome back, Joe. Also no relation. Also. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. If this show is all about our Driver's Choice Awards and what happened in Chicago at the big auto show. Uh, this is uh, every year we go to the uh, Chicago Auto Show and announce the winners of our Driver's Choice Awards. And you see them on the show. But we thought we'd talk a little bit about each one of them, and it's a fairly long list. If you don't know what our awards are, they're a little different from some of the others. We basically look at the categories people actually buy cars in and pick the vehicle or vehicles that we like the best in that category that we've driven over the last year and sometimes over the last two years if they're a repeat winner. And we covered just about the gamut. This year we did expand things a bit because of the popularity of utilities. We'll get into that in a moment. But let's start at the top with the smallest uh, selection, our best small car, Kia Forte. So why did we pick that? I think it offers quite a bit for not a ton of money. I mean, uh, speaking for the millennial generation, it's got style. It has technology that uh, a lot of people want, not just people of my age. Um, and then if you compare it to uh, a Corolla, uh, and this is personal preference, I just think it has better style. I think it drives as sporty, if not more sporty than a Corolla. Oh, I think so too. It's always had a European flavor. And and you mentioned style. They really up the, the look of, of the current car, the new car. It it looks a lot better. Yeah, we definitely picked it for its sportier edge, and you can get that in manual. Am, am I wrong there? <clears throat> Depends on the trim level. Yeah, the yeah. base, the ultimate base There's car is the only one you can get manual. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. But, but the fact is, you can still get it. And the transmission is one of the best, better CVTs out there. It's actually their own design. They sunk a lot of money into developing that, so... And I think it's a car that sometimes gets lost in the sauce when shopping for small cars. People think Kia, but yeah, it's it's up there with Civic and Corolla. If you're looking for something a little different, that's still a great little car. And it's got a better warranty, too. But there were a lot of reasons that we picked it for best small car, and I think that going around the table there pretty much sums it up. Uh, one level up, best midsize sedan. We talk on the show all, about, all the time about uh, midsize sedan sales being down and one of the reasons is that small sedans have gotten so so good, but let's face it, everybody wants an SUV. But Nissan has not shied away from the uh, challenge to keep producing better and better cars. The <coughs> Nissan Altima, new generation, I think they did a fabulous de- job with it. It's a good-looking car. It has more technology. What do you guys think? Two big pluses are the VC turbo engine that started in an in Infiniti and then trickled down to Nissan. you want to explain that just a tad bit? It's the variable compression engine that has all the tech wizardry that allows it to get better gas mileage by class changing, exclusive. Yeah, changing the displacement or whatever as right. it runs. 
But uh, and then also all wheel drive is a first. And I know that in the northern areas, you know, my parents live a little further north than here. They like sedans, but they if they're going to get one, they want it to have all wheel drive. So that's a big plus for them that would maybe stop them from buying an SUV instead. Yeah, I think they've stepped up to, uh, you know, taking a look at, say, what Subaru has done and said, you know, there's room in that market for more than uh, one player. And the Altima just seemed to keep progressing and keep pushing what the midsize sedan can be while everybody else is either kind of playing it safe or getting out of that market altogether. All right, um, this one was really kind of a no-brainer. The Mazda MX-5 Miata is our best convertible. Uh, It's won so many times before. I think it's probably won that category easily more times than anyone else. Uh, This year, it um, just, between the RF and everything they've done to the car, it just uh, walked away with the award. Yeah, the RF they added last year, that's why I won. Uh, Mm -hmm. This year, they put a few more horsepower in there. What, 25? 26, I think. 26, something like that. It's a substantial amount. It It is uh, for that car. yeah, Yeah, but it didn't overwhelm the chassis. I mean, we know that's a great chassis. Still fun to drive. Maybe it doesn't have... Quite the feel of the original, but uh, still nothing else out there that compares with it, really. You know, it's kind of sad when you look around that the number of affordable open-air vehicles is very, very small. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, when you look at the Miata, it's heads and shoulders above just about everything else. And I'm not, you know, looking ahead to next year, and a couple of the ones that were out there have already been discontinued. So, Miata rules. Best luxury sedan. This was a surprise until we all drove it. Um, uh, Best luxury sedan, Genesis G70. And I know it was a little bit controversial in our shop because we we love the way it drives as a sports sedan. But I got to tell you, I I thought that when you first pop in it, not really knowing exactly what to expect, I was pretty overwhelmed with the interior. Yeah, it's definitely over the top. It's got great street characteristics as well, too. We recently took it to the track as well. Um, I was impressed at the track, not as impressed as I was on the street. In my opinion, it's a better, maybe better suited for a tighter autocross setup where you can really take advantage of the amazing brakes and and good balance, more so than big straightaways and high-speed stuff. But overall, solid, really, really solid car. Uh, Very comfortable. I've driven, uh, we've had like three different versions of it in now. Uh, they've all been very comfortable, very luxurious feeling. I think it's worth noting a, the the Stinger relationship. Um, right. It's based on a shortened version of the Kia Stinger chassis, uh, but the G70 is the only one you can get a manual transmission in. So. And we just finished driving that. That was pretty, it's, it's a nice shifter. Mm-hmm. You know, when you consider so many of the, what's left in manual shifters today are fairly numb. Had a good feel. All right, the car that was around our office a little controversial, but another big surprise for us was Best Sports Sedan, and that went to the Made in America uh, Volvo S60. And I think we went in expecting a nice, you know, typically Volvo understated over-delivery and safety and technology four-door and came away thinking, wow, this is a this is quite a car. Yeah, for sure. Um, certainly has the style of a sports sedan. Uh Keeping with that <clears throat> XC90 uh, design language that really kind of started the whole thing. Uh, beautiful flowing lines. The proportions are good. Um, it's just like a mini S90, which is which is great. All the interior tech that you want. And, yeah, surprisingly fun to drive. You know, that that what they're doing with their powertrains is, is really pretty outstanding. Um, 
we uh, the car that particularly that we drove I guess the most was a T6R design with all-wheel drive and there was just nothing we asked, didn't ask that car to do that it didn't deliver as well as a lot of other better known European sports sedans so Thing. And, and yeah, it's made the, in Charleston, South Carolina. Yeah, that's the craziest part is the the feedback I've heard from. I didn't actually have a chance to drive myself, but everybody said good things about it. And then also it's bizarre to think it's a Volvo that isn't made in Sweden or China, which is, you know, that's yeah. not why it won, but that's just an interesting aside on it. And they've got the Polestar twin-engine T8 coming too. So, Congratulations to the Volvo S60. If there was one car I would bet surprised us the most uh, – <laughs> It has to be the Hyundai Veloster N. Mm. Uh, you know, the Veloster's a nice little odd, oddball, you know, three-door sport coupe, but here comes the N. I thought it felt like a totally different car and easily capable of keeping up with just about any other hatchback, hot hatchback out there. Yeah, we had that that car at Roebling Road, and I was surprised at the getting in it, how legit it's not just trim and color and nice little stickers and stuff. It legitimately has upgrades to make it more performance-minded. Yeah, the two things that I noticed that I was expecting to kind of be very Hyundai um, was the shifter and the exhaust note. And both of those were better than expected. The shifter was great, I thought, especially for track mm -hmm. work. And it sounded really nice. I mean, so far away from any Hyundai you've ever heard. I mean, this thing sounds really good, I think. You know, it's, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, we, next podcast, we're going to talk about it a lot more. But, yeah, it's a fun car uh, down at the track. A ton of quarter speed. Uh, like a Greg race said, track is, was great. is not normally a great place for a front-wheel drive car. Uh, not a big high-speed one like that, generally. But, uh, yeah, it held up well. Brakes held up well. Yeah, no complaints. Stay yeah. tuned to the next podcast to hear the full breakdown. I'll say everything differently. Than it, was, uh, <laughs> it, it was a, a terrific uh, chance. To, a terrific, it is a terrific card. It was a terrific performer at our uh, track. Speaking of performance, best performance car. This is an award that usually goes to something from Detroit, and recently it seems to be almost a lockup by uh, FCA. Um, this year, last year, was the Dodge Challenger SRT Demon, and this year, best performance car goes to the Dodge Challenger SRT Hellcat Red Eye. Now, who would like to talk about what's the difference between the two? Uh, well, you mentioned the Demon. The Red Eye has the uh, the Demon's engine slightly detuned. And then from there, it's a regular uh, Hellcat and uh, with a little... Uh, improvements in the handling department and some different body things. So. It seems like, and correct me if I'm wrong, the red eye is more oriented to track work, whereas the demon's more drag strip, well, which, I mean, track in quotation right. marks. That's it's still a challenger. That's certainly the case, but, I mean, it's I'm not a sure. a big, heavy car. Yeah, I'm not sure it's that much more track-worthy than any of the other Hellcats as far as a road course because uh, you can get the wide body or not uh, with the red eye. You don't have to get the wide body. But uh, it, you know, it handled itself better than uh, the original Hellcat on the track for sure. I, I never thought the Challenger would have this kind of longevity, yeah. but they just keep finding more <clears throat> ways to make it faster and better. And it's uh, you know, kudos to when you really step back and look at American muscle cars. They're you know, this is kind of like a resurgence that's going on, and they are leading the pack. I think. All right. Uh, much more global kind of performance is how we characterize our best eco-friendly car. 
This is the Honda Clarity, and pretty simply, there seems to be a clarity for just about everyone. But uh, the roots of this car are pretty deep, right? Uh, that, yeah, that was the main reason, just uh, the choice. You know, there's probably better plugins out there. There are probably better EVs out there, but you can get an EV. You can get a plug-in. You can even get uh, fuel cell clarity if you want. And uh, Civic-based, so, uh, so you know it's fun got to drive. Yeah, chassis. and they made the interior a little nicer just to, so people wouldn't uh, you know think they were just in a Civic. They've slotted it in in between the Civic and the Accord, so they've kind of given it some of the uh, uh, luxury touches of the Accord, yet it's not that much bigger than a Civic. But, I mean, actually, when you see it on the street, it looks like a pretty big car. And I admire them for being dedicated to hydrogen. I know everybody seems to think batteries are the way to go, but there's still some holdout especially on the West Coast, thinking that hydrogen still has promise. And, you know, I know it's not cheap to design fuel cell cars, so who knows? They might turn out to be right in the end. We expanded our uh, utility uh, awards this year. We had we have best small utility, best large, best luxury, and this year we added the best midsize category. So we've now got four SUV character uh, categories, which just simply makes sense since almost everybody wants an SUV these days. And frankly, you know, we could probably add another one if we wanted to and still uh, not satisfy everybody. Let's do it. Let's start with the best small <laughs> utility. Next year, next year, Brian. Best small utility, uh, a pioneering name that's come back with a new generation, Toyota RAV4. What makes this RAV4 special? Uh, Benny D can probably uh, speak more on that. He yeah, drove I wouldn't spend a whole lot of time in it, but... Um, Mainly, they, as far as visually, they just tried to make it a lot more rugged looking. I know that. I agree. It does have a, uh, a very edgy look inside. Everything's nice right angles and straight lines inside. And it looks rugged like a truck, which a lot of people, you know, the market is heading more towards trucks. and They utilities. borrowed a lot of the styling from the pickups. Yeah, but they were, they, they were careful to make it handle like a car and feel like a car on the inside. The steering is light like a car. Um, it's, it's a weird... It's a weird blend, if you will, because you have a huge view of the hood from the, the wheel, so it feels like mm. you're driving a truck. But the steering is super light and responsive. It's heavy on center like a, a sportier car. Um, it's kind of like the best of both worlds. There's no reason to be afraid of it if you're not used to driving trucks, big trucks, and that kind of stuff because it handles and feels like a car. And there's a hybrid model coming. And, yeah, it's an overall. Which the hybrid one is, well, take it with a grain of salt, but they, it's supposedly more sport-oriented. The Super Bowl commercial for it was sort of saying it's the sport hybrid. It doesn't have more horsepower right. or better yeah. acceleration numbers. Yeah, and there's there's even a sportier uh, version of the hybrid uh, as well, like a so, sport trim version. Once that's actually out and we drive it, we'll see how we feel We about haven't that. had that many all-wheel drive uh, hybrids out there, so, you know, SUVs. So, actually, I think it's much like the original RAV4 so I kind of pioneered the whole small crossover routine, I think this, uh, this is a trendsetter, too. Okay, best midsize utility. Our new category went to the vastly improved Ford Edge, including the addition of the first uh, performance model in its uh, size and price class with an Edge ST. Any overall response to it? You know, what do you think makes it stand out besides that? When I when I first heard you say the first performance like SUV, I'm like, 
Is it? In that and, class. And then I thought, it is. Because otherwise, there everything else, else, you have to go up to a luxury SUV to Correct. get a performance-minded one. That, your response yeah. was exactly the same thing that I did the very first time I heard Ford make those claims. But you do your homework, and that's pretty much right. Yeah, or then there's things like the track, Jeep, uh, Cherokee track, yeah. Hawk and Dodge Durango. For tons um, more money. Yeah, well, Durango SRT, not that much more, but it's three pa- three row, seven passenger, so not quite the same category. But... I didn't spend a whole lot of time in the edge, but uh, it is surprising that with all the performance-oriented SUVs and all the SUVs out there, that there really wasn't anything really nailing that uh, niche down, which I guess they now are. I think they did a good job, though, on comfort. It looks nice, and that's fine, but it, the comfort on the inside, the seats are better. It's it's full of high-tech. It's got the entire advanced safety suite that Ford's come up with. They They just look like... Ford seems to be when they redo something, even a mild refresh, they throw a lot at it. And mm. uh, they're delivering more than uh, what we all expected, I think. And they've done it again with the Edge. And that, that segment looks to heat up with Blazer and Passport yep. and other five-seater mid-sizes. Yeah, the Blazers, they've Blazer's already shown nice. like a high, uh, high performance version right. of that, yeah, too. Cause they're, my wife really likes She saw one in a dealer showroom recently, Blazer. Maybe next year. All right, our best large utility is a repeat winner, the Volkswagen Atlas. I'm just, I love the Atlas. I think they have taken that seven and eight passenger three row and just done a fantastic job with it and backed it with a warranty that's very hard to beat. Um, We put a lot of miles on the long-term one that we had. I can't seem to get enough of it myself. But how about something else? Do you drive it like once? That's right. You know, I've I've been hogging it. I I fully admit it. I fully admit it. I was definitely surprised that this was a repeat winner, and it really wasn't even a lot out there. A vote because we drove so many three-row SUVs, stuff, and new ones that into the segment like Subaru Ascent and things like that. Everyone seemed to love, but uh, man, when it came to voting, everyone was just like. Atlas, Atlas. Why do you think that is? I don't, I don't know. I wish I, I Part of it is the way it feels. It feels like a Volkswagen, and I mean that in the most positive way. Yeah, it's, it's st- tight. The it's got a little bit there. of golf in it. The, we're, we're all big fans of the MQB platform. Which yeah, one? and the yeah. interior just had a ton of space. For the physical outside, you know, it's almost minivan-like inside. It's a true right. fold-flat rear, and it's easy to get to that configuration. I think, you know, considering how late to the party Volkswagen's been when it comes to SUVs, especially big ones like this, it's home run and two years in a row. So congrats, VW Atlas. Best luxury utility, the Jaguar I-Pace. Clearly not like any other, uh, you know, utility out there. And I think utility's a, you know, a stretch in some ways. It's a beautiful-looking five-door hatchback that happens to be all EV and still a Jaguar. Yeah, I was... After seeing it, I was like, you know, this is not an SUV. It's just a hatchback. Why are we calling it an SUV? But more time I spent with it, uh, I mean, there's a ton of space inside. They did a great job making it feel very SUV-ish when you drive it. And, uh, yeah, you can jack the uh, ground clearance way up. I mean, we were fording streams and climbing rocks with it. Uh, So all-wheel drive system, super capable and uh it's a great Jaguar. You know, two years ago, we were talking about how, or three years ago, how, you know, with the exception of Tesla, nobody was offering an SUV with more, it's more than 100 miles worth of range. And now here you've got not only things like the Chevrolet Bolt, but then you've got the Jaguar I-Pace, 230, 240-mile range, to the point where you feel comfortable driving it all the time. 
Uh, so, uh, you know, if they can just get more of those super fast chargers out there, I think, you know, SUVs or any kind of car with a full EV uh, can be can reach its potential. It's common. I mean, yeah. Jaguar beat all the Germans to the race, but yes, they did. all three of the big German brands have got EVs, uh, SUVs coming. So. As do Cadillac and probably yeah. things we haven't heard from, in, from Ford and uh, uh, FCA. Best pickup truck. Mm. Was it almost unanimous or unanimous? Yeah, Ram 1500. Pretty darn close. The only yeah. decision we made was whether we included the compact <laughs> uh, Ranger in there. It really among full size pickups, uh, it wasn't any really any vote. I mean, it really wasn't. I mean, I, I am a big fan of of the uh, the new Chevrolet Silverado, and I think it had a ton of technology in it that we've never seen in a truck before, but. Living with a Ram 1500, you realize that that's nice, but Ram said, what do we need to do for the personal use buyer to continue this great trend we've got of making this the new American big family vehicle? Yeah. And they did it. You know, I mean, we've, you know, when they put the coil springs in at the rear, that was one thing. But this year, with the the interior that's a knockout. Uh, and all the extra features they added, it, there was just no competition. Anybody that gets in that rear seat is always like, oh, Whoa. I can't believe how much room yeah. is here. It's really yeah. quiet, too, inside. It's yeah. unreal uh, how you're right, because the, the Silverado think, man, this is going to be like the new best-selling truck, and then the Ram just comes along and just lays it on thick with, and, you know, and, they didn't have a lot of bells and whistles. It just has luxury, and it's big, well, and it's quiet, and it's fast. But let's give them credit. There is a lot of tech, new technology in it. It's the only pickup truck you can get out there with the 48-volt electrical system, so it comes with, you know, not standard as a mild hybrid. I think it's what's standard on the 6 and optional yeah. on the 8. I, I guess but you're that's, right. The, you know, that's high-tech stuff. The tech is, is definitely competitive with the other trucks but that's not the selling it's not point. in your face it'll make a big deal no, right no. It, the chevy maybe tried Except to use perhaps the big center stacks uh, yeah. tablet but no that's it i had it over christmas break and to help move into our house and man it's that thing is just so nice just for driving around with nothing in it it's just way more comfortable than anything it i've driven a lot heads maybe too. it's just because i live in carroll county but i get asked more than any other thing like which full-size truck should i buy ford chevy or dodge everyone you think it was texas uh, everyone wants to know and really there's no bad there's no wrong answer i mean that's one thing that yeah american uh car companies do is make great trucks so yeah, there's really yeah. no wrong answer Okay, our final uh, regular category is best dream machines. We always pick three. Uh, I'll rattle off the first ones. Uh, I'll, I'll say all three. We pick the Bentley Continental GT. We pick the Ferrari 812 Superfast. And we pref- uh, pick the Porsche Panamera. Uh, all three worthy contenders if you go out and win Powerball. Which vehicle do each of you of those three like best? Um Having spent so much time in pretty much every Panamera, I'll take that one just because it's everything. I mean, you you can drive it on the track if you want to, if you go up into like a GTS or maybe even the top of the line uh, e-hybrid, Sport Turismo. Um, the only thing that really puts it in Dream Machine is the price because it's it's just so great to drive on the street. I like the way it looks, specifically to the Sport Turismo. Um, so yeah, that was my favorite pick for Dream Machine. Go ahead, ben. Shocker. I do the uh, I do the eight twelve super fast, but I'd probably visit last year's win and buy that uh, 
four by four by four Benz. Oh, the uh, G wagon. The G, the last of the old generation <laughs> G wagon. I like to keep it retro. Yeah. I like the Bentley Continental GT. I mean, I've always liked the uh, the Continental GT. This latest generation just seems to be, uh, you know, they notched it up. They didn't do anything crazy to it, uh, and it's just a gorgeous car. In a world where every celebrity YouTuber owns a Lamborghini or a McLaren, they do, man. <laughs> there's something Ferrari has done a good job of keeping their cars exclusive. You see way more Lamborghinis than Ferraris. And for me, I, that's, I think that's the appeal of the Superfast, is you're not going to see one at every Cars and Coffee like you will with a Huracan. I wonder if that'll change when they come out with their SUV. Yeah, I don't know. But I'll take mine in red. The silver one we tested, I just think if it's a Ferrari, it's got to be red. Is it just me or is every YouTuber's Lamborghini green? Mm. Yeah. Brian, do you have a pick or is this? Uh, I'm good. Not I don't pick have up truck add. enough yeah, for yeah. you. I mean, <clears throat> yeah. I don't know. I, I thought the Panamera uh, was kind of weird because we drove so many awesome 911s. I'm not sure I would dream over Panamera. But uh, as far as an everyday car, I guess uh, it was a good pick. Like and something that you can put a family in. Yeah. And that leaves one more category, our best of the year, uh, which we just announced at the uh, Chicago Auto Show. And that falls to the Jaguar I-Pace for all of the reasons that we talked about it being best luxury utility. I think we all came away just thinking, you know, this car is so amazing even if it wasn't a utility, no matter what it was, it would probably win whatever category it was in, and it just seems to outpace everything else. Sorry, pun. pun uh, oh, man. Yeah, da, 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 da. But other comments. I mean, we talked I, a lot about the I-Pace. I drove it. I mean, it's it's all Jaguar, but it's also it's very, all EV. It's, it's very fast. super quiet and yeah. super fast and controllable and really nice inside. We haven't even talked about the interior because I know some yeah. of the lower buck Jaguars we've drove, the interior is a little eh, but this one, full out, super comfy, super uh, techie without being overwhelming. I, I think it's a great mix inside. Before someone you know, gets on our case and says, well, you know, Tesla got there oh, yeah. first. It's very true. The Tesla Model X did, but this is smaller. I think it's more manageable. I think it drives better. It's Cheaper. it's it's is less expensive. Doesn't uh, have it's goofy prettier. much prettier. Yeah. yeah, much prettier. Yeah, it it uh, it runs on all. <laughs> not another pun, John. It runs on all cylinders. So the I Pace was Edison. our Motor Week. I know. Thank you. <laughs> our Motor Week Drivers Choice 2019 Best of the Year, the Jaguar I Pace. Thank you, one and all, everybody at this table, and then a lot of folks that you haven't met uh, on our staff uh, took a lot of time in voting, and uh, we, you know, we we basically see about 150 different cars a year. So uh, narrowing it down to like a list <laughs> does is tough. Too much. Let's change uh, gears. We have a viewer question from Stuart, and um, my wife and I are semi-retired and love to travel. Lucky you. Uh, he hates flying. Lots of people do. They have a 2007 Hyundai Entourage that has served them for 12 years, but they're looking for a replacement. What is a comfortable, safe, moderately priced minivan or SUV best for long-distance travel? Well, we just mentioned one, the Volkswagen Atlas. What else would you suggest? The thing long-distance stuck out to me because all the first stuff I thought of were things SUVs maybe on the sportier side. But then if you're just chugging away at highway miles, I don't know if I have a well, great 
answer on that. Maybe I the think Odyssey, the Pacific. We don't have a Vilks, we don't have a minivan category, but we've gone back yeah, and forth over the years between the uh, the Chrysler Pacifica and Honda. If you wanted to keep it Kia Hyundai, I was really impressed with the last Sorento that we had in. Oh well, they also have what the Kia Telluride. And the Hyundai Palisade, they're brand new. Yeah. If you yeah. wanted to tone it down a little bit in size, you could too. go for the Kona. That comes in some interesting. And you're right. uh, that's probably flavors. too small for what they want. Yeah, I was yeah, thinking more. Hard to say. You know, if you want to keep it in the minivan, for no SUVs are moderately priced. They're all way overpriced uh, because people can't get enough of them. Uh, as far as minivans, the Sienna, it may not be our. Uh, you know, top pick when we well, do it's comparisons. All-wheel drive. But you can get all-wheel drive. It's older design, so uh, sales are, you know, not what they were. So they're cutting some good deals on them. I know somebody at the ball one recently got a super good deal. And it's a very comfortable uh, minivan. It may not have quite as much tech as, like, the Odyssey. Uh, but, uh, you know, if you're looking for dollars, uh, it's a good way to think. Yeah, yeah some- Stuart, if you're on a fixed income, that's great advice. Sometimes I think minivans have a little more leg room. Sometimes just the way the seats are set up and the depends floors on can which be flat. side you sit in. Oh, really? <laughs> the passenger <laughs> side has more or less. No, room? less. I think oh, that's cool. Sometimes. It's all. He's already ahead of the game because there's so many people who absolutely refuse to even consider a minivan. Right. It's cool yeah. if somebody who's actually considering a minivan, and then we can always suggest SUVs because there's just so many of them. Mm. But there's just so many people I talk to who refuse to even consider a minivan. Yeah. And there's people with families and who don't understand of the uh, the so benefits that come along with one. Sliding doors are... Of course, that brings... Low load what, floors. What is, yeah. like, the ultimate yeah. road trip car? Like, not even any category, if you're well, going long my, distance. Well, my uh, brother-in-law and my sister, uh, they bought a Chrysler minivan a couple of years ago, and they use it as a camper. Didn't do anything to it, but the middle seat folds into the floor. Nobody else does. They have it as a passenger vehicle when, during the week, and on the weekend they fold everything under the floor and go camping in it. So. I'd, I'd do a Wrangler to answer your question. <laughs> For road trips? Wow. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> he's a, he's okay. a too. So rough, that, and, rough and tumble which, guy. Which, by the way, almost did steal best convertible, as I remember. Yeah, he did. There was an argument there. there. Yeah. The new Wrangler's I've, I've very nice. I always bring it up in that category, and then everyone says I'm stupid. because Everybody it's says, go back to your office. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Stuart. I think you got a lot of feedback there. I hope it helps. Uh, anyone got a rant and rave this week? Anything in particular? We've had some snow and bad weather. Anybody's driving habit, habits drive you uh, crazy? I got a little something unless somebody's got an honest to God. No, I'm quite content. So I've always got one in the chamber. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, then, man. Uh, yeah, real quickly. Uh, you commute a long just, way. Just from this, yeah, from this morning. Um, when a lane's eventually going to end and you have three signs that say so and somebody <laughs> waits all the way to the very end, no turn signal, and just like doesn't even really merge into that lane, just kind of follows the line like they're just in a daze. <laughs> just <laughs> eventually gets in the lane. And when I'm behind, there's like that weird distance of like, all right, I know this person's going to want to get over. So just do it, just do it, just do just it. And then him, there's an all Just let them have it. Yeah, yeah. And then if you and blow, then it's like, oh, I really if, don't want to do that. If you blow by, which is probably the smart solution, it's the safest, yeah. you're seen as a jerk for just blowing by. Or if you wait and you're like right up on them, you're also a jerk. So door to door. What I'm saying is it's just like don't wait till the last minute. Just be prepared. That Make three entrance. extra seconds is not going to make any difference. I'm thankful it was you behind that guy instead of a like-minded person behind that guy because then they would have – that's how accidents happen. Yeah, and and then it closes the beltway for two hours. Go ahead, Benny. <laughs> oh, mine's just kind of a, a quirk. My daughter just bought a uh, 2012 Camaro, and I guess 
Starting her off well, yes. No, this is her second car. She's, oh, is it? Uh, she's almost 20. But is she paying for the insurance? Yeah, she's paying for all of the car, everything. Yeah. Yikes. Good for her. Uh, anyway, mm-hmm. I guess just by being 20 and being brought up in a hatchback SUV world her whole life, she called me a few days after she owned it, and she said, this thing doesn't have a rear wiper. <laughs> like, why do you need one? I'm like, yeah. I get, well, remember though, the, when fastback coupes used to have rear wipers, there were there were a few out there. Yeah, I think like the WRX or no, the uh, Evo had one. Was right? there a Supra that had one? But anyway, Evo, yeah, it did, the Supra had one, but that was more like a hatch. I mean, a lot yeah, of hatchbacks yeah. will have a wiper, but I think the Evo had a trunk and had a mm. wiper, but. It's a it's a Japanese Laser. market thing. I, I've never been in wipers. a coupe or a sedan that's ever I've ever felt needed yeah, one. Usually, yeah. just she. I just the, the quirkiness is she just automatically assumed everything had one because everything she's ever experienced has had one. Mm. And she missed it. And yeah, I mean, did you duct tape one on there for? No, but if it did, if a car is, it should. It kind of is. It does have a slant, a hatchbacky yeah, slant. Yeah, absolutely. It. So it, it could benefit from one. Yeah. It's got a lot of class. Weight savings, bro. Yeah. <laughs> could be sorry. She could start a new trend. Who knows? All right. That wraps up our podcast number 198 here at Motor Week Central. I want to thank all the folks around our table Brian Robinson, Greg Carlos, Ben Davis, and Joe Ligo, who's also our producer. I want to thank our audio engineer, Jillian Kutchman, for making us all sound halfway literate and our podcast creator, Bob Mixter. Thanks for watching Motor Week and for listening to Motor Week. And you can catch us on public TV stations around the world, or at least in the U.S., and also on the Motor Trend Cable Network. Till next time, I'm John Davis. Drive safely out there, and thanks for being a part of Motor Week. You have been listening to the podcast of Motor Week, television's original automotive magazine. Motor Week is made possible by TireRack.com, WeatherTech, RockAuto.com, and State Farm. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at MotorWeek.org. And watch Motor Week, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.